If I haven't had the chance to introduce myself, my name is Brianne Blumenthal, and I am one of the two interns here at SMCC. And we are so happy that you are here worshiping with us this morning. Today, we are going to be talking about what it means to remind ourselves of the spiritual truths that are found in Scripture and how we can prepare ourselves for the moments of doubt by imprinting these truths into our lives. And we're going to be reading one of my favorite passages, which is 1 Samuel chapter 16. And this is the story of when Samuel, who is a prophet of Israel, is tasked with finding and anointing the next king who we discover is David. So if you would please read along with me, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 4 to 12. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or in the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Please join me as we pray. Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. May your spiritual truths speak to our hearts, and may we be reminded of who you are. Amen. Over the past month, I have undertaken a project, and while here, I've been able to interview 18 different women in the congregation. And let me tell you, I have learned a lot. But one of the things that's been most interesting to me is what I like to call life mottos. Dictionary.com defines a motto as a short sentence or phrase chosen as encapsulating the beliefs or ideals guiding an individual, family, or institution. And I was fascinated to see what these short phrases are that have led these women through all walks of life. And you might be thinking to yourself, what is my life motto? Or perhaps you're thinking of your family and friends and their life mottos. I think there's one common Christian motto that many of us have heard. And if you know it, please say it along with me. God is good. And all the time. Now, I think some mottos can be pretty cheesy. But I think that there's also a truth behind them. And over the past month, I've become aware of what my life motto is. Now, I'm a little embarrassed to say it's not nearly as spiritual but my motto is mind over matter. And honestly, it's because of this motto that I've gotten my friends to do some pretty uncomfortable things. Most of the time, it's because I wanted to do something fun and I didn't want to do it alone. Let me give you an example. 
over Easter weekend, my best friend and I decided to take a road trip. And we decided that one of the days we wanted to hike in Zion National Park. And so we went online, did our research, and decided we wanted to try the Narrows. Now, for those of you who have never seen Zion National Park, the Narrows are the thinnest part of the canyon. And in order to go through it, you have to wade through water, and you can go for up to 10 miles. Now, we didn't want to go nearly that far, but we still wanted to see the Narrows. So as we're preparing for this trip, we realize it's the first week of April. It's going to be pretty chilly, but in the afternoon, it will get hot. And we saw that online, you can rent a wetsuit and some hiking boots. And so we're looking at that and thinking, well, we'll dress warm, so we'll wear our shorts, our hiking sandals, and then we can just rent the gear when we get there. So at 8 a.m., we roll into the canyon, and we're sitting on the trolley that's going to take us up to the top, and we realized that if you wanted to rent the gear, you had to do that before you got on the trolley. So we kind of look at each other, and we're like, oh, it'll, it'll be fine. I'm sure we're not the only ones. So we get off the trolley, we get to the start of the river, and we look around and realize that we are thoroughly unprepared. Everyone around us has the wetsuit, the hiking boots, a walking stick, and here we are in our jackets, our shorts, and our hiking sandals. And truthfully, the second I touched the water, I wanted to quit. To give you some perspective, the water was about 40 degrees, and since it was only 8 a.m., the canyon was only 65 degrees. But it was because of my life motto, mind over matter, that I conv convinced my best friend to hike with me up to our waist for about an hour. And unfortunately, my toes gave out before my will, and we had to turn back. But upon reflecting on this motto, I realized that, for me, it's a phrase I say to remind myself to live every day to the fullest. And that in moments when I find myself in an uncomfortable situation, I can still look back and enjoy the memory. And just as we have life mottos that get us through hard moments, God has spiritual truths written in Scripture. And these spiritual truths are repeated over and over and over again. And when we allow ourselves to fully believe them, they can get us through anything. And for some people, these are their life verses. It might be the first verse that brought you to God's love, might be the first verse that reminded you that you are not alone. Or it might be some of the most quoted passages in scripture, the one that you can walk into a department store and find them written on a canvas. Our scripture today tells of the story when Samuel, who is a prophet over Israel, discovers two spiritual truths about God. But in order to fully understand this, we need to look at the larger context of the book of 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, Israel asks for a king. And this is huge, because up until now, Israel has been led by God. And there were prophets. These prophets were there to discern God's voice and lead the people into the future. But they didn't have a human king. And Israel gets to a point where they look around at all the other nations, and they decide they no longer just want God as a ruler. They want a human to be their king. And God warns them that this king is not going to go well that this king will fail them, but they are determined, and so God grants them a king. And Samuel, who is the prophet at the time, is instructed to go and anoint Saul. And for a while, everything is great when Saul is king. He's powerful, he's good, he follows God. But as we're human, Saul begins to fail, and he falls victim to this power and rejects God's leadership. 
And so at the beginning of chapter 16, where we picked up today, God tells Samuel that it is time to stop grieving over Saul, and it is time to anoint the next king, who we discover is David. But it's interesting because Samuel is not led to David right away. When Israel first wanted a king, Samuel felt and saw the people reject the goodness of God. Even though he knew that Saul would eventually fail, Samuel still bore part of this failure. After all, it was him who anointed Saul, it was him who passed on God's commandments, and it was him who watched Saul fall victim to power. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us how Samuel was feeling, but I wonder if he was feeling sad. I wonder if he was mourning the failures of his friend. His relationship with Saul made him hesitant to choose the next king. What if this next king also failed? So when Samuel meets Jesse and his sons, he has one goal in mind. He is looking for a man who is strong, who is confident, who is wise, who's a king. And upon seeing the eldest, Samuel thinks, this man must be a king. After all, he looks like him, and he also holds the prestige of a king. Now in those days, the firstborn son in a family would inherit the leadership and the authority of his father upon his death. He would also receive a blessing and the biggest inheritance. So Samuel looks at Eliab, who is this man who not only holds himself like a king, but also holds this prestige, and he thinks, yes, I have found him, the next king is here. But God says no. And through this no, God begins to break down Samuel's assumptions and speak this spiritual truth into his life. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God does not care about our appearances. God does not care what we look like or how we dress. God cares about our hearts. And I imagine at this point, Samuel is thinking, well, if it's not the firstborn, then it must be the secondborn. And he looks at Abinadab, and God says, no, Abinadab is not the one either. And at this point, I would like to think that that God has a sense of humor, because at this point, he's kind of just messing with him, because Samuel has to look through seven sons until he finds David. So even though God gave instructions to Samuel to go to Bethlehem and to find Jesse and his sons, he did not lead him to David right away. Samuel had to spend a little time walking with God and waiting for God to open the right door. In this passage, we are told two spiritual truths about God. The first is that God cares about our hearts. God cares if we are taking active steps to love others and love God well. And the second spiritual truth is that when God calls us to do something, it might not be right away. But it doesn't mean that God is not walking with us along the way. In this passage, every time Samuel rejected one of the boys, he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Samuel was not trying to decide these men for himself. He knew that his human perspective was not going to be the same perspective that God held. So instead of going and trying to find a good king, he decides to walk with God and to allow God into this process, waiting for God to open the right door. The day Samuel anointed David, he was reminded that not only does God care more about our hearts than our appearances, 
but that walking with God involves waiting and listening to God's voice and direction in our lives. For me, the spiritual truth is hard to live out. When we feel God is leading us in a new direction, it can be exciting. But when a door closes in front of us, we are quick to doubt that we heard God's voice correctly. And it is for this reason that we need to constantly remind ourselves of these spiritual truths. These verses are not ones that we can easily forget because they are verses that remind us of who God is. In the midst of praying for this sermon, I realized something important. Life mottos and spiritual truths are different. Life mottos are said by individuals, families, or institutions to help guide them. But spiritual truths are not about guiding us. They are descriptions of who God is and how God interacts with us. We do not create them. And yet, when we believe them, we will find ourselves being drawn closer in relationship with God. Throughout our lives, we have been taught messages about who God is. Whether it was a message that's found in your favorite Bible verse or a message that first drew you to God and God's love for you. The Bible is full of spiritual truths. And my challenge for us this morning is that we would take a few minutes to return to a spiritual truth. To go home, open our Bibles, and read those verses. To study them to engrave it onto our hearts so that in moments of doubt, we will not feel forsaken from God, but we will be able to stand firm in our faith even when we find ourselves stuck and that we will wait for God to open the right door.